Well, you're going to get to see me a lot tonight. I'm the only one, me and Dan. I told him it's down to the two of us tonight. But it's good to be with you, and I want you to grab uh, your Bible and turn with me to the book of Exodus, where we left off last week. Brandon did a great job leading us, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16 as we continue our series, The Journey to a New Normal. Now, while you're finding your way there, we're going to pray here in a minute as we have since we uh, returned gathering together. But I want to mention some of the things that have been going on this week. Certainly Ben Miller and his family at the sudden death of his son, Mark. Thank you for those of you who were able to help with the meal and to be present this week to comfort that family. We continue to pray for them. Joyce Repay, who's with us tonight, uh, one of my favorite ladies. Uh, Joyce has been so faithful here. In fact, she has not missed a weekend this year. Uh, even while we were at home, some of you were at home, she was here. Uh, every Saturday night. And so uh, Joyce, her daughter, Melanie, passed away suddenly and was found at her home uh, yesterday. And so we certainly, certainly grieve with Joyce and with her family as they make arrangements for services this week. Tracy Hutton, her grandmother in Florida, passed away suddenly this morning. And uh, she was just able to see her uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and visit her down there, but she had a, a turn for the worse in her health, uh, 96 years old, I think. She had a great, great life in Florida. What a place to retire, and uh, we just want to pray for her. To this, uh, this evening, I want our prayer time to focus and center around, we've been praying for the events of our community and our world, and tonight, I want us to pray for our teachers and our parents and our students, uh, those that are anticipating this uh, mixed bag of things as they return to school or don't return. And so we want to be lifting them up as we lift up our leaders of the country as well. So let's bow together. Father, tonight we come as a family that uh, hurts for Ben Miller at the loss of his son, the death of his son, and we mourn with Joyce at the death of Melanie. And we grief for Tracy with the passing of one that she loved to visit and to care so much for. Um, Lord, we lift these up to you as well as others tonight that are struggling with the situations of this world that we live in, the reality that death has been allowed to occur because of sin. Tonight, we're very mindful of our teachers and administrators we're very mindful of parents and students and the lack of leadership of this uh, world right now that has left many of them in a quandary as to what the next few weeks or months are going to be like. And I pray, Father, that you would bring them peace. I pray that you would give these parents and teachers courage. I pray that you would protect them and that, Father, you don't allow anything in our lives to, to be of waste, even the bad. And so, Lord, use this in these young people. Lord, that it wouldn't be in the pages of a history book that would be forgotten as much of our history has been recently. But, Lord, this would be an event in their life where they would turn to you and they would see you work and they would remember that. And that they would have faith, Father, as they grow into adulthood that when times come, as worse times are coming for us, I pray, Father, that they would be able to turn to you with courage and with confidence and with faith in who you are and who your word proclaims that you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.
was I asked you in Exodus chapter 16 as we continue this series, last weekend Brandon led us through the exodus, right, of the Israelite nation from captivity, from slavery in Egypt. They are on their way now to this promised land, right? He's leading them from their old life, their normal as they knew it, to this new normal, this newfound freedom, this new land, these homes that they didn't build, these new jobs. He's leading them all to this new life. And they want to go back. They want to go back to the day when every day was the same old grind. They want to go back to the day when they got up or they were woke up at 6 a.m. and they would go out and they would work building bricks out of straw and dirt until 7 p.m. when they would be released to go home. They want to go back to where travel consisted of them walking in a straight line with slave taskmasters, making sure that they didn't step out of line. They wanted to go back to the days of wearing uniforms, wearing uniforms where the tools were their very own hands. This was their normal until that night Moses gave the command to grab what they could carry and set out on this journey to a new life. Now, this sudden departure was just the beginning of several changes and adjustments that, as we will read tonight, brings this nation, these, this group of God's people, to the point of grumbling. To the point of grumbling. Now, I, I want you to think about some of the changes you've experienced to your normal most recently or in years past, right? We have all experienced some level of change. I know, I know that just in these last four months, we've experienced a lot of change, but go beyond that. Go beyond that to when life was normal and something happened that changed. I, I'll tell you, two years ago, we chose to begin homeschooling our girls. We didn't make a big deal out of it. We didn't do it because we didn't want them to be out in the world. We didn't do it because their teachers were mean to them. We didn't do it because they were bullies at school. We did it because we wanted more time with our kids, right? They go to school in the morning, they get home in the afternoon, they have extracurricular activities, they have homework, and then it's bedtime at eight o'clock. And so we're able to adjust that. And all of a sudden, with that change, Sarah found herself with kids home now 24-7. Bedtime that used to be at 8 o'clock has now evolved to a bedtime at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night because we wanted more time with them. The time that I used to get with Sarah between 8 and midnight now consists of her coming and waking me up at midnight so that I can watch Golden Girls with her on TV. But choosing to homeschool was a great change for us, but with change comes challenges. I want you to think about the challenges that came to those times of change in your life. Now, most recently, these last four months, we've had changes like no toilet paper. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem for many reasons. Now, back when I grew up on the farm at my grandfather's, you would go to the outhouse and he would have a Sears and Roebuck catalog. But it's been years since we had a Sears and Roebuck catalog. So no toilet paper, no catalog. What do you do with an iPad? That, that just does not work. 
Makes a mess of it, doesn't it? Changes like no toilet paper. Mass. I went in a jewelry store in Louisville the other day. It's a jewelry store that just happened to have gotten rioted uh, back a couple months ago. And so they have a security guard, a police officer sitting at the front door, and he had a bandana around his face. And it just threw me off, right? Usually that's what a bank robber wears. But there, there was a police officer wearing a bandana, mask, child care issues. What do you do when all of a sudden school goes to virtual school or when the daycare gets shut down because of a positive case? Health care issues. All of a sudden, your heart disease or your diabetes weren't important anymore. Threats against our freedom and our liberty. But there's also very positive changes. I, I hope you've thought about this and the recentering, the opportunity that we have right now. Time around the dinner table with, with family and with friends. Card games and, and devotional time with our kids. I, I've won every hand of poker against Sarah lately. That's where the chain shortage is at. I've got it all in my pocket at home. Adjusted schedules, allowing more time for the things that, that really matter. The opportunity to speak truth into the lives of those around us instead of fear. The importance of being together all of a sudden has been elevated again. We, when you're told you can't go someplace, we want to go all the more. Trusting God again with everything. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 1, we read the whole Israelite community, over two million of them, set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Now, this is important. On the 15th day of the second month, after they'd come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And this is what they said. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Now, there are several things that make me chuckle about this. Don't, don't get caught up on Elam and the desert of sin and Mount Sinai and all of, all of those geographical things. <clears throat> what makes me chuckle is that they're 45 days into their journey. They're 45 days. They've just come out of slavery. They've just gotten rid of their uniforms. They don't have to dig with their hands to make bricks. If they don't want to walk in a single file line, they can walk as a family now and as a group. They're headed to a place where God has promised them houses that they didn't have to build, build where there were grapes the size of cantaloupes. It would take men to carry a cluster of grapes. Freedom, freedom to worship him, freedom to start a new life, freedom to live the way they've always wanted to live, no one telling them what to do. And 45 days into it, they're already complaining. When I was in my preteen years, I would spend time with people much older than me. I do that today. I spend time with guys like Sean Beck, you know, 39 years old. He's much older than I am. Some, some of you others out there. I spent time with people who are much older, guys like my, my great uncle Byron Hines. It was just a few houses down the road, or my grandparents that I refer to often, or people from church who would, 
who were retired years, years ago. They seemed so old at 70. And they would tell me about the good old days. Even Archie and Edith Bunker, a totally politically incorrect show to watch these days. But back then, they would close out their show and they'd begin their show singing what? Those were the days, right? The good old days. They would speak of the past being so much better than the present. 25 cent gasoline. People sat on their porch and visited at night. They raised their own produce. They harvest their own livestock. They seemed to forget, though, that those were the same days when it would take days to travel just across the state to visit family. It was almost impossible to make a one-day turnaround trip. Those with heart disease, like my grandfather, were destined to taking a, a pill. They'd never heard of a heart stent or a heart catheterization. They, they would die sometimes by the time they were 60 years old or most of the time. A day's wages were $3. Only the wealthy had central air and heat. You get my point. The good old days were subjective. It was all in how you looked at them. Verse 3 says, the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. What are they saying? Back then. I want to go back to the good old days. It says, when we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Isn't it amazing how, how good the past looks sometimes against a present that feels so uncertain? Now, on this journey that we're on to this new baseline that God is leading the Israelites to and this new normal that God desires for our lives, there are going to be these moments. And I have a feeling that many in this room are experiencing this right now. When we want to go back, when the past looks good against the unknown of the future... And so this weekend, as we continue, I want to give you three truths to go to. Three truths to go to when you find yourself in the middle of significant change. And like I said, change happens, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's some other issue in your life, change happens all the time. And when we're in the middle of change, these are three truths that we need to hang on to. And the first is this, the chains of the past often look inviting against the uncharted freedom of the future. Think about that. The chains of the past often look inviting against the uncharted freedom of the future. Trust God anyway. Those of you that have been here for the last 15 years with me, you've heard me share this story before. You even met this individual about 10 years ago. But I met a friend 10 years ago here in our ministry. His name was Lou. And Lou desired to be free of alcoholism, but, but he had difficulty. He would disappear for a week or two. He would wake up in jail without his car, his phone, his wallet, or his memory of where he last was at. He would have blackouts. He would be so intoxicated. He would find a number to call, sometimes mine, and then he would make it home only to start over again. And after watching him cycle through this over and over again over a period of two years, in our discussions about faith, I asked him, why? Why do you do this, Lou? Why do you make this 
choice. Why do you want to go back? And his answer was profound. It was so profound that I believe him, and I believe him to this day. He said, I don't know how to navigate being sober. I know how to live with blackouts, and I know what it is to not be able to find my belongings, and I know what it is to have my relationship with my sons and daughters in a complete mess. But I'm at a loss otherwise. (laughs) Makes sense. Now, on some level, we all tend to experience this when it comes to choosing the life that God's offering us. Think about it. We leave the sinful relationships of the past. We choose to get off mom and dad's couch and go to work. We move out of our girlfriend's bed or our boyfriend's apartment and we begin to trust God. We trust him with our time and our talent. And when reality hits that we're now on our own or that there's rent to be paid or that serving cuts into our free time, what do we want to do? We want to go back. We want to go back, or at least we believe in our minds that the good old days are gone, even though the good old days were never that good. Think about what was driving the grumbling of the Israelites just 45 days into their journey. It was the fear that the new normal wouldn't be as good as the past. Fear that they couldn't navigate their situation. Fear that if they couldn't, who would? In a moment of great clarity about the life God offered him, a man by the name of David, King David, he wrote these words. He said in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? For in the day of trouble, He will hide me in his shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. I am certain to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. And you've heard me say this over and over again. You don't have to wait to heaven to get the answer to your questions today. All you have to do is be faithful. All you have to do is look for where God is at work and join him there in complete obedience. And these things will be revealed to you. I am certain to see the goodness of the Lord right here now in the land of the living, he says. Verse 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Wait patiently for the Lord. Now, I want you to hear the depth of what this man is saying, this truth. He's saying to every one of us, and we should be able to say the same thing. The Lord is with me. The Lord's with me. And he's with you. The Lord will deliver me. He he will bring me where I need to be. I trust him. I will see him move and work in my challenges right here now. I don't have to wait to have it explained to me in heaven. And my responsibility in all of this, don't get ahead of God. Don't turn back. Be strong and courageous Wait patiently for the Lord. What is patience? Patience is all about trust. When we're impatient, it demonstrates a lack of trust. We either don't trust ourselves, we don't trust another person, or we don't trust God. And so we're impatient. 
But when we are patient, that means that we have placed our trust in something or someone, and that person needs to be God. You see, the reason for the journey from Egypt wasn't simply the freedom of the Israelites. Remember, the reason for the journey was to point them and the world around them to the goodness of God. That's the whole purpose behind this move. That God is to be trusted above all. That God's to be their stronghold. That God's to be their protector. The one who makes us secure. That he will do whatever it takes. And friends, he won't do it in secret either. But right out in the open. You know, I think this is the greatest takeaway from what's happening around us right now. I think we should be praying to God every day. God, shine the light on what's really going on in the world today. Don't you wish he would? Don't you wish he would shine the light so brightly just as his word says that nothing can hide from him in the darkness? I wish he'd bring it all out in the light. So let's ask him to do that. Second truth I want you to hold on to when you find yourself in the middle of significant change is this. The most basic challenges of my new normal identify my true and deepest needs that only God could fulfill. (laughs) That's the purpose. That's how he uses challenges. The most basic challenges identify our true and deepest needs. And these are the needs that only he God can fulfill. As Israelites journey towards Canaan, they meet with a legitimate need. What did they need? What were they grumbling about? They needed food. Mankind has three basic physical needs, food, water, and shelter. Over two million people in need to eat and drink. This was no small problem, but think about it. It's a very real problem. They were traveling. They were traveling. They could not raise a garden. They could not raise hundreds of acres of produce to feed them. They were traveling. Their livestock could not reproduce fast enough to provide the meat and the milk and the things that they needed. If you think about it, they felt helpless. They had a legitimate need. But what did they do? They tried to fill that need in an illegitimate way. Instead of turning to God, they murmured and complained to Moses and to Aaron. Here's a quote for you. We most times don't realize how far we've moved away, even separated ourselves from God until our normal is interrupted and we're challenged by our new circumstances. We really don't realize it, do we? Until that moment comes. And as people live our day-to-day lives, we have needs. Food, water, shelter, community. And these needs are there to point us to the reality that it's God who ultimately meets all of those needs. Now you may say, I can meet my own need for food and water and shelter. But tell me, who creates the rain? that gives you the water? Who is it that makes the seed sprout? Who is it? Who is it that gives us the strength and the knowledge to produce? It's God. 
Ultimately, every one of our needs points us back, if we ask how and if we ask why enough, it will point us all the way back to him. And in this moment of physical need, God is about to show them and he's about to show us that not only does he provide for their physical needs and ours, but there are deeper spiritual needs that only he can fill. Mark Miller, who passed away last week, his brother Chris is a minister out in Texas, and I had the privilege of standing beside him and doing, performing his brother's funeral. It was very difficult, but I was very, very honored to stand next to this man of God and hear him speak, one of the best funerals that I've ever heard. And he reminded me of this truth while we were alone the day before. He said, man is not a physical body with a temporary soul. We are a soul with a temporary body. Now think about that. Think about that in the light of the needs that you have. Think about that in light of your fear right now. Think about that in the times that you have grumbled about things. And this body in times of need points us to our real need, which is our need for spiritual bread, spiritual water, spiritual shelter. Our need for rescue and redemption and salvation. Think about the last four months. An unseen virus strikes and changes everything. What did we concern ourselves with? Just, just be honest. What did we concern ourselves with? We concerned ourselves only with the physical. We cried out. How do we stay healthy? We cried out, who will guide us through this? When will it be safe again? All physical needs. The solution has not only failed to bring relief, but has what? It has deepened our spiritual needs. It has deepened our level of fear. It has deepened our anxiety. It has deepened our depression. And it has further divided us as a people as the virus lives on. Why? Because there are spiritual needs connected to every physical need and for a world that has pushed God out, for a world that has pushed God out, we are dealing with the consequences. And this is exactly where the Israelites found themselves. In verse four, in verse 12, God makes the connection between the hunger they were experiencing and the deeper need at hand, the need for the Israelites to trust God. Verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. What's he talking about? The sixth day was Friday. The seventh day on their calendar was Saturday. The seventh day is what? It's the Sabbath, not the day of rest for us to watch football or lay on the couch and be lazy or go to the lake and do whatever we want to do. But the entire purpose of the Sabbath was what? To demonstrate that we could trust God with everything, that he would provide that we can be still for a day and there'll still be bread on the table for us because he provides everything that we need. Verse 11, 
The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight at night, you'll eat meat, quail. Do you like quail wrapped in bacon? That, that's the best way to eat it. I don't know if he provided bacon or not, but tell them at twilight, you'll eat meat. And in the morning, you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. Manna, bread in the morning, more than Bread in the morning, quail in the evening, and what was the test? Did you see it? The test is, will you trust him by gathering only what you need for that day? What do we want to do, right? We want to gather enough for every day. We want to work as many hours as we can work because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But what's God teaching us? Trust me each day. Will they trust God by not gathering more than what they need until Friday when they could gather two days worth and observe the Sabbath by not coming out of the house? And the proof, it would be there every morning and every night. Now, I want you to remember the pattern that we see over and over again in this journey. Brandon reminded us last week. What's the first of the pattern of three things? What? Obedience to God brings the answers we seek. We always want the answers first before we're obedient. But it works the opposite way. Obedience to God brings the answer. There's often nothing about our circumstances that will give us faith to act. Was there anything about what Moses said that gave them faith to not gather two or three days worth at a time? No, they had to trust. There's nothing about the circumstance. Finally, God will provide. God always provides. Why these three truths? It's there in verse 12. Because God is the one who wants to be honored. It's not just about us eating. It's not just about us getting our needs met. Remember, the whole reason for our existence is to bring honor to God. And it's so awesome how God works through everyday circumstances to prove Himself, And that's the third truth that we need to go to in times of change. And that is God will provide exactly what we need for today and exactly what we need in order to be obedient to him. Most of the Israelites do what God commanded. Most of them did. Each day those who trusted and gathered, verse 18 says, they had enough for that day. Enough. Perfect. Even if they gathered a little bit less than their neighbor, you know what? They ended up having enough. Even if they gathered a little bit more than their neighbor, their neighbor always had enough. Those who didn't trust and gathered more and stored it up in disobedience, verse 20 says, it rotted and was filled with maggots and began to smell. <laughs> you see the big lesson coming? Moses later explained it in Deuteronomy 8.3. He said, God humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, they'd never seen it before, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word. His word about relationship. His word about obedience. His word about faithfulness. His word about justice. His word about health. His word about provision, 
His word about sin, his word about salvation. Remember, we are spiritual beings with a temporary body. Brings me to this question. What relationship rot have you experienced or are you experiencing because you focused on the physical and neglected the spiritual? Using your financial resources for self, the physical, withholding the tithe, the spiritual, leads to money rot. Anybody experiencing the inability to get ahead financially or even break even? Anyone forsaking the gathering for three weeks or more in a row and, and trading it for something else? It's interesting, all across the nation, those that are joining us online, we've seen the trend here. They're online with us for the first Five minutes and then they're off. First five minutes are the best. You get to hear Dan sing. Anyone forsaking the gathering, trading it for something else and experiencing the rot of fear and anxiety and isolation and the stench of depression. Now let me tell you the truth about the good old days. If you've placed your trust in anything or anyone other than God, including yourself, Those aren't the good old days. Those are the days of slavery. Those are the days where you were a slave to self, a slave to sin, but you place your trust. You place your trust in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord and you're on your way. You're on your way to the normal God has for you that's filled with freedom, his presence, his power, his provision, his blessing, his salvation. Now, where we finish today, the Israelites are on their way for today. Their bellies are full. They've seen that God will provide every day. But it isn't long until the next chapter, and they again want to turn back. Maybe that's been your normal up until this point. What changes have brought you to the point of grumbling right now? What needs have been brought to the surface recently? Why not turn to the one who meets all your needs? Why why not let this be the day that you trust him once and for all? God's promise is that he will give you everything you need to be obedient. And he made good on that promise. How? He made good on that promise when he sent Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so the invitation before you is to come to him now with your need, whatever it is, your need for salvation, you, you can come to him now. You need to unload your fear and unrest, come to him and Unload that. If you're online right now, you can click on that prayer need icon. You can go to the connection card there on memphiscc.info and you can write us and, and we'll be checking that as soon as the service is over to pray with you and to call you and connect with you and encourage you. Are you hungry and, and thirsty? Come to him. And let him show you that he'll meet that physical need, but there's a spiritual need behind it as well. 
Let's stand together as you consider your response. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for those that are gathered here in this room and online. Lord, we recognize that change is challenging. The change often leaves us grumbling. But in that grumbling, Lord, if we'll look beneath that, we see the deeper need that you've brought to the surface through these times. That you've allowed us to hunger, just like the Israelites did, to show us that we don't live on the day-to-day things that we think we can provide ourselves, but we live by every word that you've spoken. You speak peace. You speak provision. You speak healing. You speak protection. Father, you speak what we need. May we turn to you and accept that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I wanted to address something real quickly with you before we leave. I sent out an email today. Uh, How many of you received that email just after lunch? If you're not receiving our emails, more than ever, it's important that you put your email address on that Get Connected card. It's our way to communicate substantive information to you that we're not going to take time to communicate on the weekends. But because this is the first, I want to talk to you real briefly about this. Last night, um, one of our students was at an event and they received a call that their COVID-19 test, the results were in. They received this call at 1030 at night It did not go to their parents, but went straight to this individual who is a minor, and they were told that their test came back positive. Now, this threw this young person's life in turmoil immediately. And the people that were around them, some responded very well and others responded very negatively in a way that the world responds, which is with just foolishness and fear. But there were some who came around this young lady and encouraged her with words and with truth. Now, here's the facts. This individual, as with the majority of the positive tests, this individual has not had any symptoms before, presently, and I doubt will have symptoms. Now, does this mean that we don't take it seriously? The reason why this group is on the stage tonight is just how seriously we take it. We had an entire band who practiced all night Thursday night to be here to present worship to you. And because that band had been in the presence of this young person, that band has stepped out for this weekend so that you can be comfortable because the world has us scared to death with no substantive facts. And that's why I'm giving you the facts tonight. And that's what you're going to see if and when this affects you and your family. There are nearly a 1,000 people who go to church at Memphis Christian Church over a one, two, three-month period of time. We track each person through our system. You come here, you visit, you fill out a card, we follow you, we assign an elder to you, we are concerned about you and about your next steps with the Lord. Out of that entire group of people who watch us online and who are in this room, not one has come and said, I am positive for COVID, other than one individual that I put in the email 
back in April when we were not gathering, who tested positive at work, who recovered within three days from a fever and congestion and cough. Those are the facts of what's going on within Memphis Christian Church. This positive result came about because they work at a facility near here that had a group of 600 people at their facility over a period of time where they were all scanned for temperatures, they all answered health questionnaires, and at the end of that time on July 6th returned home and on July 8th reported that one or two of those individuals in that entire group had a positive test. Again, as far as I'm aware, no symptoms, but a positive test. Now here are the facts, go CDC website, if you trust that, you trust everything else. But what's written there is that if a person is exposed to COVID-19, a positive test, with symptoms, thanks, Sean. Everybody hates to cough right now. <laughs> if a person, yeah, everybody getting up, sanitize, Sean, drink some of that stuff. Um, if, if a person, listen, if a person tests positive and has symptoms, that is how it is spread through personal contact, not being in the same room with them, not through the air conditioning, but through spitting on them, like I spit up here, first three rows, splash zone, <laughs> touching them with spit on your hands, kissing them, communicating that. Remember mono? Same way. All right, you don't get it innocently. They have three to five days of incubation period when symptoms will occur if they're going to from that contact. Those are the facts. Now, it's been more than three to five days since July 8th. Look on your calendar. July 6th was the last day of even being in the same part of the country. We don't even know if there was any physical contact. And so now we have a positive, but we have no symptoms. So we've taken the steps that we needed. Youth group's not gonna meet tonight. I think that they should. But if we do, we're gonna catch a whole lot of flack because of the misinformation out there. Now in the future, don't be surprised if the youth group continues to meet. But for now, we're gonna educate ourselves with the truth. That's what we're doing tonight. Check it out yourself. Be armed with the truth. So we made adjustments tonight for that. That person is devastated. That person is more concerned about you in this church than they are anything else in this world. They're so upset that they brought disruption. They are so upset that people think that they're infected by them. It's a terrible thing that we're doing to individuals in the way that we treat them with this. And so I wanna thank you tonight for being mature and trusting in the truth and not acting that way. Thank you for not calling that family with a bunch of silly questions. Thank you for not thinking only of yourself. Was I around that person? I have a right to know. And be intelligent 
Wash your hands. Don't kiss. Don't spit on each other. Wear a mask if it makes you feel more comfortable. It's okay. No one's going to shame you like I've been shamed for not wearing one. Wear a mask. Know the facts and pray and live your life. What's our mission here at Memphis Christian Church? To make sure that people discover the one true and living God. To connect with one another and to connect them to the body of faith. To grow in our faith and to love. There's no room for anything else, right? Right, right. Great job. Great job. That's where we're at with that. I put all the details in the email. You can read those. Contact me if you have any questions or concerns. But most of all, please be faithful. Please be faithful. Please grow through these challenges and these changes. Don't grumble and murmur. Go to him. There's a deeper spiritual need that he wants to meet in all of our lives, right? God bless you all. Have a good night.